0: This is The Waycast, is a podcast where we recap every Star Wars episode as it releases on Disney Plus. This is your spoiler alert and you have been warned. Hi everyone welcome to another episode of this is the Waycast: the bad batch finale edition i'm sarah edwards the resident star wars writer at boardwalk times
1: i'm
2: giovanni delgadillo a columnist and podcaster at boardwalk times
1: now i'm joaquin fernandez columnist and podcaster at boardwalk times
0: and today we are going to recap the epic season two finale of the bad batch i i had a big theory going in for this finale and my theory was completely derailed and i'm very okay with it that finale was just I'm I I, I'm speechless like it's hard for me to put into words just how mind blown I was at how they ended this very epic season
2: I gotta say I feel the exact same way we had expected things to go a certain way from the beginning and on last podcast when we talked about the episode setting this one up I had mentioned that some of the things that we had discussed all the way back in season one were finally fulfilling themselves and it was almost too good to be true and well we were right to be worried about that because this episode definitely uh this episode definitely met or these last two mess things up in a very good way i think this intense finale was something that we didn't know we needed
1: it was crazy it was like it just emotionally devastating and the stakes were higher than ever and i feel like the characters it was basically the empire strikes back for the bad batch i would say
0: that's an excellent way of putting it because i that's exactly how it felt like we have this building up of a really epic storyline. Crazy things are happening with the Empire, just like in Empire Strikes Back. And then we end on such a somber note where it's like how like we have to wait for this now. I remember asking my dad how it felt to watch Empire Strikes Back in theaters, knowing that you had to wait like three years to find out what happened. And my dad said it was awful. It was he was like, that's all I thought about. And that's how I feel with Bad Batch.
2: It's kind of crazy, too, because I had like talked to some people who were a little bit on the fence about this show and the way they put it was look man I actually know I'm gonna end up liking it because of what happened with Rebels and Clone Wars where there'll be episodes here and there where like you can tell it's geared towards a younger audience but you know the story gets darker and more mature as it goes along which is what happened and that's basically what we're seeing and I but I could not believe it happened this early like you expect there to be a big reunion at the end of the season and then their plan to get all the way to Crosshair it's completely screwed from the beginning and for so many reasons as we'll get into
0: yeah absolutely so let's start breaking it down we open it up where we're still on the Marauder and we're still kind of debating do we go save Crosshair do we not and so it all swings back to finding out well how do we get to him and that leads them to Tarkin's what is it a lair, Empire Palace what would we call it
2: I would call it like some Imperial meetup hangout type spot I feel like there's more going on because of the train system which I thought was really cool but yeah I think Empire hangout or like secret political building kind of like a un type building seems yeah the way to put it
1: and a lot of cool cameos too from a lot of imperial officers especially a particular one from rogue one Rennick. so I thought that was really cool to see that crossover there
0: and it's yeah, very rogue one and rebels uh so like very this was very much fan service for rogue one and rebels fans who know those officers i mean it was a great i definitely feel us starting to transition into a rebels timeline which is kind of cool
2: and you know it's funny people have pointed out this this whole season has had rogue one cameos like turning live action characters into animated so i thought it was cool that they kept that tradition going and in a tasteful way because krennic could have easily taken over and people would have been like oh krennic instead they just ask him about project stardust and play the music from the movie some people said it was Jin urso's theme i want to say it is i'm not entirely i need to re-listen like that was one of my favorite soundtracks and it still is but um i need to remember everything but yeah i thought that was a cool little like here's a nod to something else going on in the lore right now but it's not important to this story this story is about hemlock and the clones i'm so glad hemlock is the main villain i just think he's he has more presence than admiral rampart did so he does yeah it feels cool that what we did talked about earlier on the pod came true that i always felt like rampart was more of like an underling and that's exactly what happened
0: i'm not gonna lie i was expecting rampart to show up during the meeting like i was expecting us to get that confirmation that yeah his arrest was just for show it was just to be like, dang, yeah, we got him. I was expecting that twist. But I kind of like that we didn't bring him back.
2: It's like a good way to finalize his arc in the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And can I I just say,
2: say Uh, before we move on, there are things about Tarkin in this episode that feed into his character in A New Hope, which we'll get to that later as well. But I think it's interesting that every time we've seen Tarkin, it still feels like the same guy who shows up in the original movie all those years ago.
0: Absolutely. I I think we have to address the elephant in the room that goes along with this whole thing. I I was not expecting them to kill off Tech. Like that was I knew that somebody wasn't going to make it out of this season. I thought it was going to be Crosshair. I didn't think it was going to be Tech.
1: Well, that was going to be Echo cuz they've been kind of setting it up that Echo is, you know, he left the team and he's been through so much since Clone Wars and yeah, I was not expecting Tech to be the one that sacrifices himself.
2: I mean, Sarah, you and I had talked about how we were blindsided by the amount of Tech centric episodes this season and it's like oh that should have been an obvious telltale sign that they were going to get rid of him i mean the scene between him and fee that was like the biggest red flag it was like he's completely shut off trying not to interact with her because he doesn't know how to feel about this mission because he knows it's dangerous but i guess they think until they reach saw guerrera they think it's a routine mission but then saw shows up and they're like oh wait because for me when i was watching the episode i thought oh is this a trap hemlock set for them because he has that look about. About him where he's like I'm always three steps ahead or whatever and it ends up being Saw who has a legitimate like good goal in a way even if it's a little bit extreme where he's like we have all these guys in this summit we can take them out right now but the batch has more of like a humane goal in mind so I don't know I thought that was really really interesting that it ends up being Saw in a way is a little bit responsible for Tech's demise on a mission that for them would have been very routine otherwise.
0: And I think that's what makes it hurt harder is that you know this was just supposed to be a routine mission the batch always makes it out we always find a way to survive so the fact that tech tech immediately goes to plan 99 and just just shoots it off i mean i uh, i i really hate that they killed him off that quickly i will say it felt really like we're only in season two of this show and it feels like the batch is just being spread everywhere it's like what's what's the goal you know
2: the good uh filmmaking rule if you don't see the body yeah people are saying that star
0: wars has ruined any ability for me to believe that anybody's dead tech is not officially dead they even found his glasses we we know they have him
2: yeah it feels like some crosshair action is going to happen to tech next season which would be very devastating especially for the little tidbit of angry wrecker we got last season
1: yeah I i don't know if maybe tech survived i think they're keeping it ambiguous so you know like next season they might like big reveal like he's under the control almost like those troopers we saw I think and was it that two part episode or they're like under like it wasn't a chip but it was like they're really brainwashed so I think something's gonna happen with tech maybe honestly uh, like they could do anything at this point because we don't know any of the fates for the bad batch
2: and hemlock's goals too so I may have been a little bit like out of it while I was watching the episodes because I was busy at the time and so the scene where they're having this boardroom meeting I I didn't exactly get it maybe you guys understood better what is hemlock's goal with the clones? why does he need them so much? Cause me and Joaquin and talk about why they need Omega. Like they need her DNA, but it feels like there's an ulterior motive. Now that we know what we know from the end of the episode.
0: That's a great question. I mean, the only thing that I could think that they want to use with the clones is more of like spies, like using them as dispendable droids. So you know how in Mando they used um, that captains are two droid to probe the ship. I wonder if they're basically going to use clones as living probes. And then once they don't need them, it's like, okay, yeah you can kill yourself it's fine we're done with you
2: almost like having moles like within different parts yeah. of the republic well sorry not the republic the empire which would be interesting because the clones were a once trusted source for you know anything soldier <coughs> soldier related and they obviously bred different clones for different reasons that's why the bad batch is so important to them and why getting characters like omega and crosshair in their grasp i think benefits him because it's like okay we have these mutated specific clones So I'm like, I still think this all has to do with the Palpatine subplot that they've been building up to, which is very cool. I think that's a good way to like, okay, well, we have this plot problem that we created. How do we fix it? Um, So I don't know. I don't know if it's completely separate from what Dr. Pershing and Moff Gideon are doing in The Mandalorian, and that's more Snoke Palpatine related. But still, really cool twists going on here on top of the devastation and the general intensity of the episodes.
0: One thing I will say, so fast forwarding ahead a little more into the second part of this finale. And, you know, I really like that we have this little moment between Hunter and Omega where he's realizing like you are still a child and I can't keep raising you in this very dangerous environment. And I really like that Hunter kind of has like a fatherly moment where it's like, would you like to spend the rest of your childhood on Pabu? We can just, we can get you at home. We can properly like raise you as a kid. And I really, that was a really mature moment for Star Wars. Like we've never had a moment where someone is like we'll just take you and we'll raise you ourselves." it's always been shown but not told like with obi-wan it's like yes he's gonna give luke to owen and beru but it's all show no tell whereas with this hunter is more of like is this what we do you want to do like if we took you to raise you would you like that and i really liked that conversation and then watch it all get derailed
2: so a couple things happened here that are intriguing about that one of the best like little tidbits we got was how hemlock talks about clones being paternal and then people pointed out obviously with Django he wanted boba like so they're all clones of Django. they have that like disposition and i thought that was really interesting connection i don't think that's exactly the reason but it would be a cool connection and the other tidbit is that we had been saying all season that sid was prepped to betray them but i didn't think it was going to be like this i didn't think it was going to be on ord mantel
1: i i I remember like as soon as they um i think a couple episodes back when they cut off ties with Sid I was like she's in a yeah eventually and it was like the whole scene where she's just staring at them and she's looking like awkward and then she just she ran out it was like when Lando did the same thing and Empire Strikes Back so that's absolutely definitely... which I is would... why
0: I'm just kind of disappointed that they went back to Ord Mantell like I know they had to get AZ but why didn't they take him with them like it seemed like it would have been good to have a droid aside from Echo just like watch the ship or something and then they wouldn't have had to go back to Sid
2: yeah because going back to Sid was the mistake completely because they had been yeah you're right they had been avoiding her this whole time and so like oh let's go get az and that's a perfect opportunity for her to get this cash because they're technically the reason she doesn't like them anymore is that they they were kind of bleeding cash on her and so Mm -hmm. she's like oh free money and unlike lando who immediately tries to help them she hangs her head in shame and like walks away i still think there's a possibility that next season she tries to redeem herself i had speculated that she might be one of those characters who comes back and self sacrifices after doing something like this to make up for her faults but we'll have to wait and see it's interesting that they're going this dark for characters like Sid and Fee who are so like jokey and kind of more more designed for kids I had mentioned earlier on this pod that Sid isn't the kind of underworld character you'd expect these guys to work for if the show wasn't you know geared towards a younger audience so I find it interesting that they're completely flipping the script on that as the show matures each season and i'm very excited to see what they do with her and if we get anything about any of this that we're talking about at celebration this weekend
1: oh it's this weekend
2: yeah next week oh
0: (sighs) they're definitely holding a season three announcement until then going going taking a few steps back i really like that fee has become a more developed character because after she first appeared i i didn't see too much of it thankfully but i did see a lot of slander on her from outside people who are like why is she here what's her purpose and then Fortunately, I think a lot of it is racially motivated because Fee is a Black character. But I like that they kept her in the show to just kind of be this fun, not necessarily goofy character, just like a fun laid back person to kind of be like, look, this is something you guys can do. You can still do these missions for money, but you don't have to be so serious about it. So I love that she kind of had that like calming presence among everyone. And then when they kind of built up this little romance between her and Tech, it was a really, it helped age up the show a little bit bit but not too much to where it's a bit too much for younger kids. But it was just it was cute. It was nice. It was just a really nice refreshing beam of light into already what's a really dark show. And I am not looking forward to if if in season three they reveal that like they have to tell Fee what happened to Tech. I am not looking forward to that. That's gonna hurt. I, I don't know if I want to see that.
1: It's gonna be a sad scene just seeing her react like where's brown eyes? Like
0: Where's brown eyes? Where's Omega? Where where'd they go? <laughs>
1: this whole thing has actually sparked a movement
2: on Twitter well Star Wars Twitter where people are finding old pictures of Timera acting in other stuff and making him look like the characters in the show like Hunter and Tech with like the glasses it's like yeah. dude this is just sad like everyone's so distraught they don't want to believe it with, with Tech I mean like you said earlier that the glasses are kind of a giveaway that something's up there but in general this this finale like the whole thing with fee next season and uh, I don't know the thing with fee that interests me is that at first it kind of seemed like she was a hondo-esque character considering they did the same thing with ezra where they had hondo show up and be like his mentor in in crime pretty much but (laughs) here because we know that she wasn't like she literally described herself a million times as not a pirate and and now we know that no she definitely isn't she has like this reverence for the ancient artifacts that she finds and she brings in the pabu for safekeeping like that's the entire point of her character is that she She's not really a pirate pirate. She's more of like a benevolent adventurer who likes adventure. So I thought that was a cool way to be like, okay, well, here we have another pirate mentor character, but not really in the same way that Omega is not Ahsoka or anything. It's just the character archetypes look similar at the beginning, but they're not. And I really like that that's what they're doing, especially after this uh, season. I'm just like, this season changed so much about the show so quickly. And like the crosshair redemption thing, I'm glad that he's not entirely fully yet. Yet, and I think they're holding back on that because they know it's going to be an emotional gut punch when he does reunite. I think that's very mature of them to hold back on that because some other shows or movies might have, like, oh, this character's missing after the end of the movie. And then the entire, like, beginning first part of the movie or show is getting the character back relatively quickly. So I think having this ending not show Crosshair awake at all for these two episodes and then just saving that for like next mid season or something, I think it'd be really, really cool. It's yeah, cool absolutely.
1: to see. Crosshair and uh, Omega together, let's say, because they haven't really. I mean, Crosshair hasn't been with any of the Bad Batch this season, so I think it'd be cool to see them two working together. And she, she still like believes in him and thinks it'll be a cool uh, story going forward.
2: She was the last one to see him at the end of season one as well. I thought that was a good connection. And people have talked about those vultures on the planet he was on in the Outpost and how that's like a survivor. And people have said, oh, that it's shaped like whenever Tech falls. And I'm like, that's a little bit of a stretch. But I do think the vulture does represent present something in crosshair or just in the batch yeah. in general their need for survival with each other I was just like man the fact that we're talking about these themes about the bad batch is making me so happy right now it's giving me nostalgia when I was watching rebels as that show aired because I, I absolutely love the ghost crew and the bad batch is me the too. same way it's like these characters that like they're not even close to being exactly the same as the ghost crew they're so unique that you fall in love with that uniqueness it's like wow, oh, I don't know I don't know what to expect next Lucasfilm animation keeps killing me with this like i sat through the entire end credits for this last episode up until the Lucasfilm animation logo came out and you just see the the o in animation is a clone helmet and i was like devastated because the music was completely different too it was like way darker which they always like to do and it's just like man this show is gonna hit so hard in the next season or even whenever they decide to end it i just feel like anyways the going off on too much of a tangent
0: <laughs> the the bad batch is 100 a tragedy it's not an action show it's not a drama show it's a tragedy and I love it. Like the death that Tech's death was so far out there because he's the character that we've just grown to love because he's just, you know, he kind of brings a little bit of that neurodivergence to the batch that a lot of people can relate to. And so that's why a lot of people are also destroyed about his death. But he's a character death that nobody anticipated, which is why it's so tragic. Like we built up him as a human. He's learning all of these feelings because he's just never had to think about it before. And then he just sacrifices himself in the most tragic way. Like, when you think about it, he understood, like, that, you know, he was always very mission-driven. He's always like, we have to get the mission done, even if, you know, we may disagree, or like, why are your emotions holding you back? So it was like, I think that's what made his death so hard, is he just learned all these emotions, and now he's so like, "I, I have to do what I have to do. I will say, the only complaint I had with this finale is I wish the emotion was upped a little bit more. Like, Hunter was so distraught the first time Omega was captured, this second time is way more dangerous like i kind of wish they upped his sadness a little bit like his what the heck do we do like what I-, I don't even know where to start and he seemed a little too put together to me and the same with omega like i i wish we just kind of showed a little more emotion of how of the stress like we don't know where anyone is we don't know what's going on and we also just lost a brother like i i kind of wish we could see that emotional confusion a little bit more
2: you know people noticed little subtleties in the animation actually now you mentioned mention it that I didn't notice that do add a little bit whenever they were taking Omega up and they have the light from the ship on Mm -hmm. Hunter's eyes you do see like tears welling up that he's like trying to hold back and because of his character that would you know track that he's very emotionally like controlled I guess he keeps it all inside Um, I do agree though I think you can feel like the impotent rage like that's inside of him especially by the ending but it's like oh it's not expressing itself yet and I'm think or sorry i want to go back to your point about uh tech being neurodivergent because i honestly that's one of the best things about the show and first season i had wanted to say that but I because they never made it explicit i didn't want to you know step on any toes or anything in the first season but i had seen it coming in season one i had pointed out uh, at one point near the beginning that i knew what they were doing but i didn't know if that's like was or that was exactly true but now with this season oh yeah it's 100 percent. what i noticed is that they're taking these characters who are societally like oh we're weird because we're we have tech is neurodivergent and then wrecker is also pretty neurodivergent as well in some ways and then you have echo who is barely like put together because he's half like cyborg at this point so little things like that that add up where i was like the bad batch is a family of what would you normally in the past you'd call like a misfit family but Mm -hmm. i think it's more of like just people who are finally being accepted these days because i saw a lot of um asperger like community members on Twitter saying that they love tech so much this season because yes. it felt like an accurate representation and I was like yeah I have friends with Asperger's and I, I really like the way they presented him because I'm like yeah this is I know what they're like and it's really cool to have a character that feels real like that in Star Wars and have it be such a pivotal moment for him to sacrifice himself I thought that was pretty powerful stuff that's why I'm like so surprised that they committed to that completely I was kind of worried in season one that it was going to be more cartoonish or something and that's why I didn't want to fully commit to saying that that's what I thought they were doing but it's obvious that they know what they're doing here and I really appreciate that and I'm really glad that they give him a fee as like a romantic interest I think that's really nice and it means that they're treating these characters like real people despite their oddities I guess if you want to call them that which feels wrong to even say but yeah. I don't know it's just I really like the Bad badge. <laughs> I'm really 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 excited to see what they do with them because I, I just like oh, it's so so good to have this kind of Star Wars storytelling in animation persists, where it's like very devastating because you learn to or not learn to you just grow to love the characters so much like you don't think you will at the beginning and then it's like
1: nah. yeah they always find a way to make you emotionally invested which is what they do with rebels clone wars and now this show because yeah like you said a lot of people were a little on the fence about the show i'd say season one but with this new season i think definitely i feel like everyone's everyone's fully invested in this storyline
0: i mean i knew from the first episode i when they first announced that bad batch was getting a spinoff i was like okay i think this is gonna be goofy it's gonna be kind of silly i i didn't i did not think much of it i, I was still gonna watch it but i was like I don't, I don't think it's gonna be that great first episode and first trailer i was immediately wrong like the first episode i think well i say this all the time the first episode is one of my favorite episodes ever it covers so much in one 45 ish minute long episode and it was a great setup for the show and i i really like that they decided not to take a cartoony method toward it. I think Clone Wars was where they got to mix around with the cartoonish stuff. And then once they saw how much of a reception that Rebels got in Tales of the Jedi, like people love animated when it's serious and when it's emotional. And Bad Batch is another great example. Like the first season was setting things up. It was a little cartoony at times, but it still had serious undertones and season two just took an immediate dark turn.
2: Which is funny because even in season two, we have some episodes here that are like, not silly necessarily, but like we we described them as like fillery and then Mm -hmm. they ended up meaning something in the end anyways or like we had the highs were so high that they ended up feeling like higher than the stakes in season one like i remember when we got to the finale of season one like those last two episodes or so they were really good but i think these last two were a bit like at least emotionally stronger like especially the finale the the ending is such a massive cliffhanger to leave off it's where it's like what what should we expect next like is there going to be another time jump uh, like what's this whole thing with I guess we should talk about it because we're here with Omega's sister quote unquote another yes. female clone I thought that was crazy um, in fact we haven't even talked about another big elephant in the room where Cody and Rex
1: we're
0: yeah like, we didn't show I, up
1: at all they, they, Cody, yeah.
0: I'm really disappointed that they didn't decide to include Rex I'm wondering if they wanted to keep this focused on the batch and their emotions but I thought it was really weird that we didn't see either of them like we get thrown a bone with Cody in episode three. And then after that, we just don't see him again. And I thought, I wonder if they're saving it for season three, but I definitely would have liked to at least see something.
1: People are saying that Cody might be one of the clones being experimented on in Mount Tantus So I'm wondering, because they did they were very vague if he left of his own free will or not. So yeah, they, they just announced that
0: he disappeared. So maybe he got taken to be experimented on, or maybe he did leave. Yeah.
2: That is a good point, actually. That's something I didn't even consider. Because for me, it was always, oh, he just left or whatever. And clearly, Rampart was completely unaware of what's going on with like Hemlock and everything. So I think now, thinking about how this show is going, it would not surprise me to learn that Cody didn't join the rebellion of clones with Rex and Gregor and all of them, and instead was captured by Hemlock and decommissioned silently. Because he says in the board meeting, like, oh, this shouldn't be a problem. No one will care about this. Because they're like, oh oh, there's growing discourse in the Senate mm-hmm. about clone rights. And he's like, oh, no one's going to care. Like the clones are our property or whatever. So I, I just thought that was interesting that that's another th- yeah, another thing they held back on. They could have easily ended the finale and have like a 50 minute long episode where all the characters appear and they go on this super mission to go save Crosshair. But instead, I think that's what they're going to build up to next season. I yeah. would not, it would not surprise me to have like a mission with Gregor. We still haven't seen Wolf. Gregor, no. Wolf and all of them and then obviously we saw hauser as well no hair this season which is another thing that i incorrectly predicted based on <laughs> vanessa marshall's tweeting about the show i think she was just a fan at this point because she was in the first season but we'll have to wait and see like i don't know how far into production they'd be on a third season they haven't talked about it and since season two just finished it's like well were they working on it or yeah they did not the last
1: season two right because it was supposed to come out i would say yes. like last year so maybe they've been working on it but it might be i doubt it's not going to come out probably till next year right. I, I think we
0: we're gonna have to wait a, a year and a half minimum like bad batch we waited about a, a little over a year so uh, well yeah i would say almost two years almost a year years. and a half it's it's been a long time since season one i so my partner brought this up to me a, a day or so later um does crosshair know what's going on because when he was escaping he stunned oh Ome- what's her name uh, <laughs> oh
2: yeah i forgot the doctor's name but i know you're talking about like the he, he stunned the, prime
0: yeah the doctor or er, crosshair stunned the doctor but he killed everybody else so I, I wonder if he knew i think crosshair knows a lot more than we think we do because he knew about the chips he had his removed a long time ago which was really shocking that was a big like what and then he also just i don't know i think he knows a lot more to only stun the doctor and kill everybody else he had no in no issue killing the imperial officer no issue killing the other soldiers but the doctor he's stunned
2: some people pointed out that all the close-ups were like very obvious foreshadowing to her being a clone because people had pointed out she has a new zealand accent which isn't an immediate giveaway in star wars that oh this person's a clone but it kind of feels with the way she looks like her facial features plus the voice it seems a little bit obvious in a way and i think the way they hit it was not giving her blonde hair like omega because like okay omega her blonde hair is like her defining feature at this point it's like oh that's omega and i I think that was a smart way to do it is have crosshair kind of question because she was being very nice to him because mm-hmm. she can relate to him because she's a clone. So it's like there's something there that was unspoken between the two of them. So whether or not he knew uh, I was definitely like, Oh, she's nice to me. She doesn't deserve this fate like all these other guys and I'm just gonna murder straight up because they're not my brothers. So yeah. now here's another thing. Uh, I didn't know this. The actress playing this older version of Omega is actually a I think she's Oscar nominated actress uh so people are saying that in end, she kind of looks the parts so people are like this feels like an obvious live action omega situation like if they're gonna cast like a higher like relatively higher bill actor for a role like this in an animated series it feels like it's for something bigger in the future and we talked about it to death in season one about seeing omega in some capacity in live action in the future especially because of book of boba fett which had like almost nil to do with boba's past so So, except for Cadvain. but yeah that would not surprise me now knowing that information or they just wanted to get a really good actor for the character who knows but she'll definitely be a much bigger character going forward like obviously that's what they're setting up in the story but hiring an actor like this you don't just waste them for a little like hey I'm a plot twist and that's it so
0: I'm really curious about her role as well because when she said Omega were sisters my first instinct is man Django wanted a giant family he wanted a whole ton of kids (laughs) But... And when you technically think about like their age, either she has whatever ages them up. Yeah. Or she was truly the first clone that would put Boba in the middle and then Omega at the youngest. And I, I like the theory that Jango just wanted to be a dad to a giant family, but I could see her being the first test of like aging people up on a woman, woman clone because Omega and her are technically the only female clones. The others are male. Like it could be an experiment got wrong and it's like, well, we'll just keep you with us. I mean I don't I don't know I'm, I'm curious about what her role will be
2: also can I just say that Nala say got that drip that just crossed my mind I'm thinking about cloning and everything and I'm like how do the Kaminoans fit into this because they're yeah. like it's so sociopathically Hemlock tells Nala Se, oh um yeah I got the thing you care about will you do the work now it's like yeah. wow dude you're okay they're, just,
0: they're trying to kiss up to her
2: but she was dripped out like that black outfit looks really cool because we're so used to seeing the regal like white outfits that the Kaminoans wear. And then here we have like this super edgy military black outfit. And I'm like, this, this goes hard. Like that outfit goes hard. And that's not even talking about the like a million Imperial commandos they had to bring to take down the bat. That that's I love cool. it when shows do that, when they have, or movies, when they have like this elite squad that takes down the main characters and they're like super serious because the whole time you're used to these characters taking down goons like they're nothing. And here they go, like the serious squad. I, oh, so.
1: we see Scorch intense. again? Because I think I think Scorch appeared. I think he's the one that caught Omega, Scorch.
2: I, I want to say yes, because the one who caught her was wearing like yellow lines, right? I don't know if that was Scorch necessarily, but I do want to say that one was like a higher ranking officer.
0: Interesting. I, season three definitely, like, I don't know what to, we're going to get from season three. And I kind of like it. Like last season, we kind of knew where this was going. We kind of had an idea of like, okay, you know, we're, we figured early on that they're going to try and just be human and not clones but i i truly don't know what to expect from season three and i i'm i'm happy that i don't know what to expect i like that we're just in this uncharted star wars territory where it's like what do we do
1: i'm theorizing theorizing that you know i think hemlock mentioned like they're trying to prevent word of the clones being experimented on from the senate because there might be a clone rebellion and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm figuring out that they might lead to a clone rebellion in either next season or they do season four because that was in legends and it would be it would make sense for this show to do that to have all the clones like rex and then he gets cody and then all his other clones and then they like it's probably gonna okay. fail it obviously fails because we see like where the clones end up but i have a feeling that might lead into like a clone rebellion in like season three here's
2: another good point to add to that we didn't see senator chuchi at all in this episode either that's yet another character that didn't appear i was saying on the mandalorian that the latest episode felt like a culmination of all the previous episodes because they had all been set up to like a bigger story that kind of came together in the last episode and in this series it ended without doing that like I said restraint so Mm -hmm. that's definitely a good speculation for next season I think well the Clone Rebellion that's definitely something we've been talking about a lot since season one and I think it would be a really dark turn and a really nice way to end well not nice necessarily really interesting way to end the series with Rex as kind of a cynic with Gregor and Wolf having done their duty as like clone rebels and then like try to get everyone to escape to uncharted parts of the galaxy while they go off and do their thing and go fishing or whatever it is that they, they just want to grill, you know. So
0: yeah. We'll see what happens in season three. Well we'll just have to somehow get through this next year and a half, which is gonna feel like the longest year and a half. But with that, that really marks the end of this is the Wakecast the Bad Batch edition for a while.
2: And don't forget we will be covering any news that comes out of season three. This upcoming weekend from April 7th to April 10th. Star Wars celebration in London. It's bright and early. We'll get all the news out for you guys as it comes out and trailer breakdowns. We'll even probably do special announcement articles, whatever it is that you expect from this weekend, we will be covering it. So anything season three related, you'll be the first to hear about it from Boardwalk Times.
0: And be sure to follow us over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Boardwalk Times. And as always, thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, you can get more Star Wars content at Boardwalk Times dot net as well and we will be continuing to break down the mandalorian so stay tuned this is the Waycast is a boardwalk times production produced and edited by me and giovanni delgadillo and music by kevin mcleod